Welcome to the Present and Sober podcast with your hosts, Sam Goldfinch and Ellie Crow. If you want to make your life bigger, not smaller, then this is the podcast for you. If you can sense that you're destined for more and you're curious about how drinking could be holding you back, listen in and come on this journey with us. Through the interplay of mind and body practices, we will help you elevate your daily life and discover the wonder and potential of going alcohol free. Let's make life bigger together. Hello. Oh, sorry, sorry we're just for laughing at the beginning, but we're having so much fun as usual. And we're laughing at the new Zoom, the new <laughs> Zoom computer computer voice that tells you you're recording, but it's new Zoom you. fun that yeah put, puts you off and uh, as if I'm not put off my stride enough with my possible perimenopausal descent or ascent, depending on <laughs> which day you're asking me. <laughs> You've bravely embarked on on starting the podcast, though, which is, you know. Yes, I've, I've decided to push myself out of my comfort zone right when I'm probably feeling the most uncomfortable I've ever felt in my life, wondering yeah. what on earth is going on with my body right now. Anyhow, that's for another episode, although you'll probably um, get used to my perimenopausal moments from which my co-host Sam is going to say I'm used to me. them now. <laughs> I tried to. You're embracing them and loving them. <laughs> So here we are. So we are now on episode four, Sam, already. I know. Amazing, eh? It's exciting. It's exciting. And this one is a belter, an absolute belter. And it's a biggie. And it's likely more than one episode. But we're going to we're gonna get going with it. We're going to roll with it. And we're going to see where we go. Mm-hmm. And uh, we wanted to... So this is coming off the back of our starting point. We put this podcast together because we fe- we feel that life is worth making bigger and not smaller and we've talked about our stories and so we were trying to between us find of all of the many things that we want to talk about we were trying to find the most appropriate starting point and so this is it we we believe the most appropriate starting point is in talking about this I'll be happy when syndrome, which certainly I was living wholeheartedly before the point at which I removed alcohol. So that's our starting point for today. And um, I'm going to take a sip of tea, Sam, whilst you start us off. Yeah, cool. Well, I mean, I think we, yeah, I mean, we, we were both, both talking about how we lived this for the longest time. And I think often it's really natural to slip into this kind of the human experience, the ego, we get pushed into this experience a lot. But we were talking about how we, yeah, how, how we did used to live this experience. So go on, take, take us a bit through that for you, Ellie. Like, how did it play out in your day to day, this kind of I'll be happy when syndrome? I like how you put that. <laughs> I th- <sighs> I'm about to get into the whole like chicken and egg of was I a very, very anxious person mm-hmm. all my life or was I a very anxious person because I was uh, largely throughout the large portion of my life imbibing a substance that naturally then makes you anxious because of the way that it it works. So it's, you know, it's it, it's difficult to know where the anxiety starts, but that's effectively what it is, right? So my, I, 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 the way I see it, I think we, generally speaking, people either live in the past and they kind of ruminate over things that have happened and replay things that have happened and can then sort of fall into regret and depression and, and that sort of an area. Or people live in the future and... I was certainly one of those people that was constantly on the 
look out for the next thing and and that could be either in a positive way or a negative way so i i worried a lot like i physically i would feel nerves in my um you know like butterflies in my tummy that sort of like that that real like tight wound up anxious feeling i would feel that a lot because i was constantly and i think part of this is the way the brain works right so the brain's on the lookout for danger brain wants to keep you alive so i would tap into those um warning signals or signals of danger very easily and i'd constantly be thinking about you know like with my business well you know what happens when um you know the uh, the the volume decreases or the contract goes away and and and, and it didn't stop there it was then well you know, but what about the house that we live in? And I'm going to have to sell the house. And I'm going to, you know, like none of this stuff's happened, right? <laughs> like literally none of it, the circumstance has taken place. Yet I'm so far in the future worrying about everything that's possibly going to happen and, and trying to mitigate those things. And, and, and just as a side note, this is something that we do need to come back to in the future, the whole fear setting thing. So we were talking about the Stoics earlier on, fear setting. I think we've got to come back to that for an episode because okay. that, that is very, very helpful as a practice. But being a very, very anxious person 24-7, is, is not a good practice. It's, it's debilitating. And what it really, really robs you of is being in the present moment and um, not just feeling happy, but, but being at peace, feeling joyful, taking um, delight in the small things that are all around us every single day. But you miss out on all of that because you are so far ahead, either positively or negatively. Because as I say, you know, there'd be a lot of negative aspects of feeling anxious about the future but equally I would have lots of um, I'd, I'd, I'd often I'm a very determined character and pretty adventurous character and I would always be looking for like the next area to push myself in you know like I I, I do I distinctly remember actually talking to my business partner when we first set up our other joint business which is an international business in supplying consumer products when we first started that up and we were looking at the, the projection of the business plan, I remember him saying, like, when we make our first million, when we get there, when we turn over the first million, like, we're going to want to be having some massive celebration. And we will get there. But I'm t- And I remember him saying this, he's got 10 years on me, he said to me, when we get there, it's not going to feel like such a celebration because we're going to be looking to the next thing. You know, there's always going to be the next goal. And, yeah. and he was so right. It's it's really interesting that I mean it's so the there are there've been a few times in my life over the past few years where I've been convinced that the, the relief of something happening is going to be huge. And mm. when I've got there, it's almost as if like I've already been through the emotional process of yes. the release. Um yeah. that's interesting. Like, do you know what I really um uh connect with what you said about being somebody who naturally looks forward because I think also for me, my natural disposition of, for whatever reason, the way I was brought up, like genetics, you know, all of those things that come into play means that I can let go of things quite easily. So I can move mm-hmm. on um, and not live in the past a lot, but yes. my entire life, I mean, I'm much better now, but I spoke to you about my OCD and things like that when I was younger, but, uh, you know, absolutely anxious 
crazy anxious living in the world of what ifs like always what if this what if that mental movies of what could happen what might happen all the rest of it and then the kind of as you've put it the kind of like butterflies turning into what other kinds of creatures you have like crawling around in your stomach when you feel like that um and i think that it probably played out a lot of my the things i used to lean on from alcohol and, and other things that i used to lean on i always felt like life wasn't enough I was kind of like well the next thing the next thing and even when I was kind of like sat drinking my coffee doing that thing I'd been looking forward to for an hour then I was like not really sitting there drinking my coffee I was then projecting Mm. myself to the next kind of material experience Mm. Um, and I still fall into that pattern if I'm not careful these days and I Mm. get in and that's kind of like on the micro level of like, I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when I get my coffee. I'll be happy when I've I've done this and it's Friday. I'll be happy when, and then there's kind of the macro, there's the bigger, isn't there? Which is sort Mm. of like, I'll be, I'll be happy when I retire. I'll be happy when I do this. I'll be happy Mm. when I do that. So Mm. you actually, we were laughing, weren't we? Because you, you said you had an experience with your kids the other day that was kind of really similar to what I was just talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so funny. So we, it was half term recently, took the kids away. We've got a little place by the seaside that we like to go to. And we went to one of these little kiddie pleasure beaches and it's, you know, wonderful. I mean, very old, like you're thinking that these rides safe, like how can this still be open? Um, And and it was donkey rides and all this sort of, like it was, it was proper British seaside. It's a great Yarmouth. Yarmouth, let you say that. Yeah. I grew up in Norfolk just down the road, so I know Yarmouth. Oh, well, well I did. The, there were some beautiful places. So, so the place... Um, the place that we stay is close to Southwold, but... Nice. Um, uh, my my husband's family were in Great Yarmouth, so we took a little trip up there. And my husband wanted to go down um, memory lane on the snails. If anybody knows of the snails at Joyland, <laughs> so it was a wonderful. And and to be fair, he he's banged on about these snails every time we've driven anywhere close to them, and I've kind of rolled my eyes. And and actually, to be fair to him, the snails are a good ride. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. There's, there's something to add to your bucket list. <laughs> so um. So we've been on the snails and various other things and the kids, so the kids that imagine are immersed in this, you know, Joyland experience and uh, having a wonderful time. And I sent my husband on a ride with the smallest one, the two-year-old, and I'm stood with my um, seven-year-old and my five-year-old and they look over and there's these two motorbikes side by side and they're like, oh, can we go on the motorbikes? Can we go on those? Whilst we're waiting for um, the other two. So yeah, yeah, off we go. So they each jump on a motorbike and I'm rifling around trying to find the money to put in the slot. And then um, literally as the money drops in the slot and the ride starts to move, they're both looking around going, can, can we go on that next? Oh, <gasps> I really want to go on that. Ooh, look at that over there. Mummy, mummy, I want to go on that now. Can we go on that now? And I'm, I'm going, be in the present children. <laughs> and enjoy the damn motorbikes you're on. So yeah, because like they'd, they'd been so desperate to get on these bloody motorbikes. And then literally, I think the second that they're on these motorbikes, they're looking at all the other shiny stuff that's going on. And of course I could really, um, I could really appreciate that and understand that feeling and what it's like, but it was, it was just hilarious. And then, and the, and the culmination of it was my little boy Chester said to me, um, let's see, <laughs> motorbike and um he said he said the, the video replay is going to be great <laughs> you've got to watch the videos because this is all being acted out in see, front of my yeah. very eyes it's great so he's, he's on the motorbike going like this and he's doing his face as he's he's going 
I said, uh, <laughs> I'm going to stop doing the verses. He said, uh, Mummy, uh, when's this going to stop moving? <laughs> I'm like, God, you haven't even got your pounds worth, son, and you are, you know, in another place. So whilst... Yeah. Whilst it was a funny little story, it was it, it was also kind of irritating to me because I'm like, how do you, how do you get your children to be in the moment when there's all the, the shiny stuff around? And and I don't you know being excited and um you know the variety of life and you know all of the, we've talked about technical the technical things got you are going to be distracted right? But we really want to help people to get into because all, all we've got is the present. This is all we've got right here, right now. And you can feel any kind of way that you want in the present moment right here, right now. Yeah. We don't need to constantly be looking um, to another point in the future or something external to us to be happy. Let's hang on that for a minute, because I think, for me, I think once if you've been practicing presence, mindfulness, meditation, um, yoga, whatever your route to being here in the moment for a while, you kind of start to take for granted that realization. But I remember the moment when I was like, whoa, like, yeah, hang on a minute. The only thing I'm ever going to have is now. Yes. Like any future moment will come as a future moment in the now. You know, Eckhart Tolle talks about this in the power of now constantly for however many pages. Um, but it, and it, at, at face value, it's like, right, okay. But then you really dig into that. And like that moment is, it's, that's it. It's all we're ever going to have, you know? So the more time we spend ruminating about the past, thinking about these what ifs locked in these things that don't really exist, the mm. less time we spend in the moment, in the now. And I think our society teaches us both consciously and subconsciously from, from a very, very young age that everything out there is where you will be saved. So it's like mm -hmm. the message is you're not complete. Mm -hmm. You need the job. You need the hat. You need the whatever. You need the Balenciaga or whatever they're bloody called, 500 pound pair of trainers on your feet. You need, 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 need all these things. And at some point you will cross this arbitrary wild line where you just go, I made it. I am complete. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. And there's kind of this this idea this like I, I don't think we really sit and reflect on it enough but of yeah of like if you believe that at your core if you believe that you need to add things to yourself in order to complete yourself you will mm -hmm. always be striving for more because you will feel as if right I've got the car now oh thank goodness everything's okay and then mm -hmm. a week later it's the next thing it's the next thing so mm -hmm. it's how do we dive into this space of realizing that everything I ever ever need is now because now is all I will ever have. And as much as it's wonderful to set goals and strive for, for certain things in your life, and, and it is like, you know, we're both coaches. We're, we're all about goals and, and looking forwards. Mm -hmm. If you spend your whole time never, never actually being in the moment of enjoying the journey, the constant inner step, constant inner step. I think Eckhart Tolle says, you know, your external journey has a million steps, but your internal journey only ever has one which is this Ooh, moment now. Yeah. Mm. So. Um, do you want to talk a bit about the, did it come from Eckhart, the, the uh, exercise that you were talking about? Oh, right. Yeah. Tactically. You'll probably hear me bleating on about Eckhart's whole tolle, however you're supposed to say his name, I don't know, um, a lot. Because, I mean, I've read The Power of Now many times. It really connected with me, really connected with me, and it doesn't with everybody. Um, I have a lot of other alternate routes to the same stuff i would say mm -hmm. but 
the one real key thing that stuck with me out of that book and a lot of his teaching and others is just the embodiment. If we're going to talk about something you can do today that really starts to help is if you notice that you're in the what if or if you're in the why did I do that of the past, um, you literally just drop from your head into your body. And, you know, I think a lot of these practices in yoga and stuff like that, people are like, yeah, but how do I do it? What do, but but how do I do it? And it's like, well, you just imagine that's happening. So you just say to yourself, okay, I feel the energy up in my head. I feel the thoughts. Now I feel the energy in my body, like it's in my torso or it's in my arms. And I think he he sometimes says, you know, if you were to close your eyes and kind of just say to yourself, how would I know that I've still got, you know, arms and legs and all these all these body parts, like without moving, that kind mm-hmm. of feeling of that energy of being in your body, that's that's the place. And what you'll find is if you're in the body, you are present. You know, you can add focusing on the breath if you want to for an extra layer. Mm. But once you're present and once you're in the body, your thinking kind of stops at that point. Mm. And that Mm. inner body awareness, as he talks about it, is just this huge thing that you can start to do. Because, you know, the honest truth is if you try and think yourself out of a thought storm, it just turns into an absolute hurricane you're just adding more thoughts in you're trying to solve something at the level it was created and you end up with more thoughts in your head more thoughts in your head until it's just like we're just wild so what how do you mm. step out of that well literally step out step down into your body mm. and and thank you for sharing that because just as a very very simple accessible practice for all that is such an easy thing to do and it can make such a difference. And, and you and I both see a lot of people that they come and, and you know, you know what their state is by the often the amount that they will talk and like the, the extent of story. Um, because we generally are up in our heads a lot of the time. And we don't we just don't have that awareness even of what the thoughts are, what the story is. And that can be a really uh, irritating place. Uh, and, and, and often why people will then reach for, it doesn't have to be alcohol, it could be anything, just to try and quieten that voice Switch down. It off. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting how I find this when I'm teaching children or students mindfulness. Um, they will often say to me, I don't think. And I'm like, oh, right, okay. So the other day we were doing, I was kind of like, you know, write down positive and negative thoughts that you might have before you come to school one day, because we were looking at the connection between thoughts and feelings Mm -hmm. and uh, loads of them. I don't think I just wake up. I don't think I just do stuff. I'm like, okay, all right. Um, And it's because there's these like kind of layers of realizing where we are with our thoughts, you know, actually this thought that you've said, Ellie, this kind of sentence starter of I'll be happy when dot, dot, dot often doesn't really play out with the sentence starter. It just plays out with the energy with which we run our life. So I never used to think to myself, I'll be happy when I have a coffee. I'll be happy when I get the t-shirt. It's just like it's running in the background. You know, it's a belief Mm. more than a thought, right? So yeah, I mean, this is, as you say, it's a powerful practice that any kind of embodiment practice is really powerful, but they're also really easy to forget. It's really easy to get caught up in the energy of the madness that's going on in your head, the crazy monkey mind, as, we, as they talk about it in yoga. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you had a really nice practice for that as well, though, right? As something to really bring yourself and center yourself in a room. What was that? 
yeah so I I this is a practice that I've, I've used with the kids it's really quite effective with the kids especially the older one and I have used it with clients too because as you know we've alluded to people people generally aren't able to do this naturally and, e- and even teaching somebody it's often something that's got to be um reminded um with them and uh and coached with them over a you know a period of time but this is um again in this in this somatic bodily place so we have we have all our senses so it's using your senses to get yourself into the present moment and so you start with um your sight and you find five things that you can see and when my daughter does this she kind of goes right see the grass and see a card I can see the sky and I'm like no, no no slow down slow down slow it down so you know I can see the sky and it's a beautiful blue color and there's wispy white clouds there and and then the next thing so five things that you can see and then four things that you can hear and I always ask my children to like listen for the furthest thing away from you listen really hard really carefully what's the furthest thing away from you and then listen for the closest thing to you. And so find four different things, four different sounds that you can hear. And then the third element is the sense of touch. And so what, what sensations can you feel? So like I can feel my, my shirt or my skin at the moment, I can feel the weight of my seat in the chair. I can feel my toes on the floor. Um, and then the, we're getting down to um, taste, so, uh, uh, sorry, smell, two things that you can smell, two, uh, two scents that you can smell, and then one thing that you can taste, because often we can't find so many of those things. But it's a really good way of, of slowing things down and mm-hmm. noticing things, because we don't notice things either. This is, you know, this is all actually really a big, um, a big pot of, uh, a big topic called awareness isn't it it's you know awareness everything's on the other side of awareness but we're not usually aware we're not aware as you said earlier of the 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 thoughts the the, the series of words that we can hear in our heads or our beliefs quite mm-hmm. frankly and we're not often aware of our physical body and energy and we're just in this you know odd place past or future and and that and that is often the the source of a lot of discontent. Yeah, and it, it's really easy to get trapped in this kind of um, intel, intellectualizing into intellectualization. Is that a word? Of it is now of these things. <laughs> it is now, um, you know, where you understand how yoga works, you understand how meditating works, mm. you understand how being in the moment works, and you walk around telling yourself, "I know how it all works." But ultimately, if you don't practice, if you don't practice leaning on the practices and just mm. going into your body, you know, it's it's not about understanding how to become present. It's about being present and. Mm your mind will always be saying to you, am I doing this right? Am I doing it wrong? Really? Are you meditating? You've got all these crazy thoughts in your mind. It's like, just keep going, just keep going, just use these mm-hmm. things. Um, because that moment, the, the present moments, magical things happen in the present moment. Mm-hmm. One of them is that when you come into the present moment and step out of the what ifs that we were talking about earlier, um, what ifs are problems? It's like, well, what if this happens? Well, I'm not going to do anything about it right now. I'm just going to think about what could happen And then that's going to cause me to have this anxious feeling, right? But if you step into the present moment and you ask yourself, well, what is happening? Suddenly a problem becomes either a circumstance that you deal with now, 
mm-hmm. or something that you just don't need to deal with right now. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly your problems disappear. Mm-hmm. And it's not that there might not be troubling things or painful things happening in the moment that you need to deal with, but you're not going to overlay it with a load of thinking and thought mm-hmm. matter that causes a lot of feelings that are not helping you solve that issue and move forward. So mm-hmm. it's really powerful. It's not just this woo-woo BS that we chat about. Like there's real alchemy in that moment. Mm. No, there really is. Mm. But as you say, these these things that we talk about, they're practices for a reason because they are meant to be practiced. Yeah, yeah, they are. And it, And it's interesting how the practices of embodiment and the somatic kind of practices. So two examples of what we've just given you there, but then there's also, it's also totally possible to use your mind on your mind. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and we were talking about the Stoics. I'm sure we can run some podcasts on the Stoics because they're badass, Mm -hmm. but you know, basically uh, a a group of people who lived a very long time ago that had some pretty wild ideas about how to make yourself happy. And I think most people think the Stoics were kind of, you know, being Stoic is about being, you know, what is it kind of like stern and, but actually Stoicism, the philosophy is very much about, you know, how can you use sort of thought experiments to make yourself happy? So it's Mm -hmm. kind of like many of the things that people it's meditation in the, in a different sense. Oh yeah. yeah. And we were talking earlier about how, just applying a thought like, you know, well, if I think on my life, if I reflect on how many times I believed that the next thing would make me happy. Yeah. And you think, well, now it's the next thing it would be the car. And you were convinced it would. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, has that ever actually happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how many more decades are you going to spend chasing that train? Basically. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It is. It is. That's definitely another episode. Oh yeah. Okay. There we go. We can be really difficult not to like, uh, it's my job to like lasso this and keep it in a straight line, but it's quite challenging trying to keep things in, in, in boxes at times. Um, mm. Do you know one thing that is, is interesting though? There's a book called the Upanishads, um, which is very, very old, a very like special yogic text. And they talk about in, in the book, they, it's, they basically talk about not, running away from things that you don't like. So it's Mm -hmm. not like, I'll be happy when I don't have to experience this thing anymore. I can be careful not to chase towards things that you do like. So it's like, oh, I'll be happy when I get this thing in my life. Mm. Um, Because in both of those scenarios, even though you're going in the same direction, like one of them you're moving away and the other one you're going forwards, you're still moving yourself out of the present moment. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was just thinking as you were talking there, this is, it's, it's interesting because it kind of goes against this, you know, the whole thing about the brain wanting to seek out pleasure over pain. Mm -hmm. So a lot of this stuff we're we're attempting to uh, kind of go to, go to war with the, the primal instincts that we have. Um, Again, it's like another point of awareness, but in, in the last probably the last 18 months, a lot of the different things that I've learned about in, in understanding the science of like, why, what happens, why, how, and if there's a bloody good reason for something like, well, your brain is wired that way, then it can often take some of the sting out, you know, it, it depersonalizes it. It's like, so it's, it's not that I'm not complete and there's an issue with me. 
what what I'm doing is fighting against my biology to some extent. Do you see yeah. what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. Well, there's these two parts of us, as I see it. There's the ego, you know, and if that has evolved from the primal brain as a way of helping us kind of survive yes. and navigate the world, that is always attached to this kind of idea of, you know, finding uh, safety in the outside world. And then there's this other part of us, which is the spiritual realm, mm-hmm. um, which is very much, well, it's complete. And we speak to this in yoga and Buddhism yeah. and all these amazing, speak to this piece of us that's complete, that, that doesn't need anything else added to it. And I think the human experience is, um, it, animals live in that completeness. You know, they are in that all the time. Yes, and you know yeah. very young children as well when they haven't developed their ego that's why it's so much so amazing to look at a young kid and see them just in in utter joy because that's mm. where they are they're not in the world of like happiness and sadness or, or this and that and black and white it's just or having a little shit fit in the moment well, there you go <laughs> <laughs> and just processing their emotion for all to see <laughs> there you go so but there's so much, it's magic. And I think the human thing is living those two worlds. It's having one foot in the fact that, okay, the ego exists for me. And there is this piece of me that is incomplete, you know, and that will always be looking for things outside of me. And there's this other piece that is complete. And that's a really interesting place to be. A lot of people think the goal of ultimate goal of spirituality is kind of like to destroy the ego, but it's, it's to make friends with it really, you know, it's there to help us navigate the world. Like, it compares me versus you and that versus this so that I can cross the street and navigate the world and make decisions and make choices. You know, Mm. the relationship between one thing and another thing is required in order for us to navigate any kind of distance around the world, for example, right? We need Mm. two points of reference in order for from here to there to even exist. So Mm. that's the world of like many. They like, I think in the Tao Te Ching, they say like the 10,000 things. Mm-hmm, right. And mm-hmm. the idea is that before that, there's the world of completeness, which is like, we're getting pretty weird and wacky here, aren't we? But like this, like where everything is complete, kind of like the, the before the Big Bang, there was this one thing, the completeness, the oneness. And mm-hmm. like it's, you know, it's, it's experiencing those two things at, at, at the same time and and making peace with them both. Mm. It's and, it, and, it, and vi- visually, it's a bit like when you described in episode one where you were talking about like yourself as pieces of a puzzle Mm -hmm. strewn all over the place and finding those pieces and putting putting it all back together again it kind of feels a bit like that yeah because ultimately there's all those bits out there that we Mm -hmm. want to put back together but at the Mm -hmm. same time we are whole. There's a guy, there's a guy called Michael Neal, who I really appreciate his work. He was really big in the world of um, neuro-linguistic programming. And he got really into a kind of a, a, one of the fathers, I think of, of kind of like personal development, a guy called Sidney Banks, who basically wrote about the relationship between consciousness, mind, and thought, mm-hmm. and how, you know, all of these things interplay. And how, you know, we need to live in this world. And, and basically, long story short, so this guy, Michael Neal, he goes on this journey, becomes like this master practitioner of how to like change your belief systems using NLP and, and do all these amazing things with your mind. And he's come full circle and said, look, all of that is amazing and great and useful and we should be doing it. But at the same time, it's, it's, uh, it's possible if you really get really, really, really into the present moment to be okay, like in, mm. in almost any situation, which... You know, we always feel as if 
what is happening outside of us is causing us an issue but often it's it's us isn't it and i'm blending into another podcast here but we can carry on that point yeah but the, but this is the essence of what we're doing here right so it's yeah. it's the t- it's the two things it's the yeah wouldn't it be great if we could all just always be in the present moment um, and and we have bodily practices that that we can um work on to enhance that part of us but we also have the thought work yeah. and the cognitive work um, and, and the, the interplay of, of the two and the, the dance between the two. So right before we came on here, when I was bewoying, I was filling you in with more of my possible perimenopause, and I said possible because I'm, I'm currently in the middle of a lot of testing, my possible perimenopausal stuff. Like there are times where physical stuff is debilitating and uh, feels entire like the volatility that I've, and I and I've talked I think I talked about this in my story and how it was postnatally and wow here I am again with this funny but not so funny volatility um, that and, and, and all the practices and uh, supplements and different things that I'm doing move the dial but only to a certain extent you know ultimately if I've got some massive deficiency in progesterone or estrogen and I need hormone replacement therapy or that would that would benefit me then you know that that, that's a great possible solution for me but in the here and now the the extent to which I'm affected by the hormonal imbalance like there's only so much I can do about that but what I can do what I can always do what is always available to me is be aware of my own consciousness and my own thoughts and we know that thoughts create feelings so if I want to feel better the thing that is always 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 open to me is to have a good dig in the brain see what's there and work on those thoughts and we're going to talk about that a a lot more we've got so much to talk about in that realm yeah so many tactics but just as a as a little you know if you are looking for something to help cultivate that as a starting point, journaling. And I don't mean journaling on your phone or typing on a keyboard. I mean, get a, get a good old pen in your hand and a nice notebook. And you don't need, you don't need prompts. You don't, I, I know some people like to go and find specific prompts, but to just start to write, to sit in silence and solitude and to just start to write, even if it's two lines as a daily-ish practice, is a wonderful way to start to open things up for yourself. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. And you get to see your your kind of your thoughts played out in front of you. And suddenly that when you're at that distance, it gives you that kind of element of like, you know, we really haven't spoken about the kind of like, you know, thoughts are not facts. You are, you know, you are not your thoughts piece, which we'll come to. Um, but that's, I mean, journaling is really powerful at giving you that insight where you like get to look at the story that you've laid out in front of you. And then you get yeah. to like have power to author it in a different way if you so choose. Um, yeah. That made me think about what we were talking about earlier, Ellie, when we were talking about how this belief of I'll be happy when and the kind of idea beneath it that you always, you know, you're always searching for the next thing and then the next thing. A reframe that's really, really powerful here is when we were talking about problems. So I said earlier that kind of like problems don't exist in the present moment. So at one level, you can kind of turn a problem into a into a situation where you can make it easier to break down. But at the bigger level, if we were thinking about problems as a way of framing um 
the things we're inviting into our lives that are helping us grow, mm. then those things are upgradable and invitable, you know, in mm. the sense that you can say to yourself, so I'll give you an example from my life recently. You know, I've known for a while that uh, as much as I love teaching and it's been very good for me, I know in order for, for to be true to myself, I need to step out of that and do something bigger mm-hmm. um, for me. And I want to start you know, running the business, et cetera. And so that my problems have changed. I've moved from the problem of, oh, I'm not sure if I want to do this forever. Like, I don't know if this is right for me anymore. Like, you know, et cetera. You too, you know, you, you start something up and you get some clients and you get, yes, this is amazing. Like, you know, I've got, this is, this is really working, but then you have a new set of problems. Now it's, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah but now I don't know how to do this and I don't know how to do that. And, you know, you get the new job and suddenly you've got a team and you're like, whoa, okay, I didn't think about this. Now I've got a team. Now, now the problem is how do I keep my team happy? And then two years later, you're thinking, do you know what? This was really keeping me engaged, but actually I've got a new problem. I actually do want to be the CEO or I do want to do. So consciously applying, you know, the idea of, well, what do I want my problems to be Mm. rather than I'll be happy when this happens? Mm. a really 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 powerful reframe for this yeah it sure is i love that what kind of problems do i want to have and i mean he really i can't remember the guy's name oh lost it the subtle art of not giving a fuck is the book and it is he dives into this but i mean it comes in many different places from a lot of different sources but he um uh, i will find the guy's name and i'll link it in the show notes but that book is really insightful the guy who wrote that and breaks it down really well um and I think both of us really recognize the power of that because I think we now consciously work with people where we're saying to them, well, what problem do you want? Do you want your oh, problem yeah, yeah. to be hangovers, anxiety, feeling like shit on a Sunday, not being there for your kids? Do you want that problem? Or do you want the problem to be, okay, now I have to face why I was drinking mm. and now I have to grow? Mm-hmm. You know, because ultimately that is an upgraded problem because one of them leads yeah. to a repeated cycle of pain and darkness and all the rest of it. And the other one is like walking through the fire and into something new so yeah exactly yeah, yeah I, I i always remember the first time uh, i heard annie talking in this sort of a way and she talks about better quality problems yeah. um as, as something that happens when we remove alcohol and um one of the th- one of the questions the prompts that i'll often use with clients is that you know it, it, where, where they will talk about something that is um troubling them i mean we often hear like one of the classics is where somebody has stopped drinking but their partner or a significant other mm-hmm. continues to drink and um you know the, there's obviously a lot of nuance but some of the stuff is effectively the same and what i'll always say to people is is this is this a problem that you would choose to have mm. um because as you were saying earlier, it's, it's a choice and we, we can be very deliberate and that's a really empowering place to be. Yeah. Huge, hugely. Mm. And that choice of, do I want this problem? Do I, can I let this problem go? Like, can I choose to be in the present moment and be happy now? You know, cause we talk about like, I think as we wrap this up, we talk about unconditional happiness And we talk about, you know, and you hear this thing being thrown around, especially in spiritual circles, but to actually stop for a second and break down what that means, what unconditional happiness is happiness without conditions. So Mm -hmm. it's basically saying that you don't need the job. You don't need the this, you don't need the that. Right. And I think I said to you earlier that 
often when I've worked with people, I have this this chat with my dad a lot. If he's listening in now, he'll 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 agree. We've had this chat Hello, a lot. Dad. You know, hey dad. Um, <laughs> you know, that you, you know, you do things in your life and you build this thing and you build the castle and you put everything together so you can retire and be happy one day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dad, why don't I just create this life that's so good in the present moment that I'm doing something purposeful that I love, where I don't give a shit about retiring, where I'm like, retiring doesn't even matter to me anymore. Like, mm-hmm. it's a different frame. It's a way of burying into your problems, burying into the present moment and just consciously mm-hmm. building something. And yeah, like you said, stopping drinking, wow is that one amazing way of raising your awareness of what your you know your your problems might be so Mm, and both of those things but just as you've described there that that tendency and the same thing when we when we go against the grain with with not drinking you you are going against a societal norm and a cultural norm yeah and both of those things are going to feel uncomfortable. Um, but that is a, a brilliant and wonderful sign that there is growth on the way for you and something very special in technical on the other side. 100%. Mm. I think we might have found the natural end, Ellie, to that chat, mm. that mm. meandering chat. Um, I enjoyed that. That's good fun talking about that stuff. It's really really fun to go into things (laughs) i'm not going to make any sense here to talk about things that um i think in a really nice way some of these things have they haven't become unconscious but i think a lot of them i hope i just do them day to day and i don't think about them so much and talk about them yeah yeah (laughs) she's lost it again no i'm having a moment because you 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 totally totally embodied your Alan Partridge there so I just I really really enjoyed that Sam I'm not gonna lie was it was it something was it a physical Alan Partridge yes very much oh my lord oh no being from Norfolk as well I love Alan I love Alan he's my hero (laughs) he is funny and he's back on the BBC at the moment as well so there you go he's everywhere (laughs) yes well knowing me knowing you and all that right let's uh leave it there and wish all of our amazing listeners a bloody marvellous week, whatever they're doing, um, mm-hmm. or fortnight. Um, yeah, is there anything else you want to add, mate? Uh, no, just a, a big thank you to everybody that's been with us from yeah. the beginning and has uh, tuned in to the first few episodes. We really, really, really appreciate you. We and do. thank you for all of the um, the people that are subscribing and reviewing it, uh, it means the world to us and it you know we what we really want to do is be able to get as many people as possible to have a listen because this isn't just about um uh, despite the name it isn't just about uh being uh alcohol free it's it's about so many things and you never know like uh, there are so many things that i've come across and when i've shared those things it's been so interesting to see like the the take-up rate with different people like it can just be one one little part of a conversation that really yeah. changes something for somebody so we really appreciate you sharing this so widely so thank you yeah 100 percent. and you know please we'd, please do go and leave us a review it's huge we'd love love to read what you're saying and uh, it really helps us spread the word and yeah look most of what we're talking about today ellie i was drinking for years and years and years through a lot of stuff. Was, was, i was drinking through. this morning what you know, no <laughs> So, but my point is, you know, the final point before we go is that, you know, a lot of this for me that we talk about the present part of this 
um, was formulating and growing and developing well way before a decade before I stopped drinking. So, you know, I hope that many people will listen to this who mm. you know, maybe want to moderate, just don't, who are just drinking and just want a different perspective, you know, at the end of the sure. day. Absolutely. Right. Before I get waffly, let's leave it there. I'm just going to click end. Oh no, I'm not going to click end. Hang on. That's ridiculous. Cancel. I'm going to click uh-huh. stop recording. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode, Tribe. We loved recording that one. It's so aligned with everything that me and Ellie stand for. And, you know, look, make sure you send us your secrets. If you never fall into I'll be I'll be happy when mode, because we both uh, still struggle with that one. And I think being a human, I think it's something that a lot of us will come up against uh, again and again particularly as we grow and evolve um right amazing stuff we've been recording some awesome things behind the scenes some really exciting stuff we've just got i just recorded our first guest episode and that will be with you really soon we'll drop some more information about that next week and you know thanks again for all the continued support wherever you're listening from google apple spotify make sure to subscribe and leave us a review because it's it's just so helpful for us you know that's the way that we get the word out and you never know how just one of these conversations might spark something or lay the seed for somebody to just you know really make a massive change in their life and keep making their life bigger so let's just keep making our life bigger together